Hey everyone, before we get started with the actual podcast, I just wanted to take a quick second to thank everyone for all the support for the 1099 podcast up until this point, because today's episode, this week's episode, is episode 100, um, which is crazy just to say out loud. Uh, this This podcast started on a whim as I was a freelancer, talking to other freelancers about freelancing and you know, my first thought was like, oh, I'll have a regular cast and then maybe one rotating chair and we'll talk about writing and writing tips and how to get paid to write. And it just, you know, evolved into something I could have never really imagined. And it's still, you know, it's still a one person operation. It's still a small thing. Um, but I mean, since starting being able to talk to people like Michael Pachter, Jeff Gersman, um, just uh, Lauren Lanning multiple times, uh, Adam Boys, it's been it's been amazing. Uh, to be able to have all these interesting people who I've looked to, up to my entire uh, writing career and to just kind of talk shop, talk about life. And you people who are listening now have really responded in a way that I super appreciate. Uh, and yeah, I just want to take a quick minute to thank everyone for all the support since the start to see, you know, the 1099 on the top iTunes charts at times and to see the audience continue to grow and go from, you know, couple you know a couple dozen dedicated listeners to hundreds to thousands has been you know it's it's been cool it's been a lot of fun for me this is uh probably my favorite thing to do every single week um and you know i wouldn't i wouldn't do it i wouldn't you know spend the time setting up guests and thinking up questions and recording and editing and doing everything like that if i wasn't having a blast and i could promise you i'm having a blast so uh today's episode 100 is with drew scanlon which I had a wonderful time talking to him. Um, next week will be Kevin Van Ord will be returning. Um, Abby Russell, the new hire at Giant Bomb, will be on after that. And then from there, there's been a lot of Giant Bomb lately. Uh, Brad Shoemaker from Giant Bomb will be on the podcast after that. If you could, um, right now, it would be fantastic. If you listen to this on iTunes, you listen to this on any podcast app, if you could just drop a quick review, just a quick, hey, this is a pretty good podcast. This, it's great. Josiah has a fantastic voice, you know, something like that. Um, I would super appreciate it. It really helps my visibility. And, uh, you know, we've hit 100. I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. Things will only get bigger. Um, so thanks again, everyone, for listening. And uh, let's move right into the full show with Cloth Maps' Drew Scanlon. Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the 1099 for the week of July 10th, 2017. I am your host, Josiah Renauden, and with me today is a former producer at Giant Bomb and the current world traveler for Cloth Map, Drew Scanlon. Drew, thanks so much for doing this. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on the momentous occasion of episode 100. <laughs> that is, uh, it, it is a great honor. Yeah, no pressure. It's, this has to be the best one is all I'm saying. Uh, this, <laughs> you have to outdo 99 other people. Um, this will go smoothly, I promise. Uh, I'm ready. And, I'm limbered. <laughs> and I know it, it's a bit, you know, it's it's been a bit, but congrats on all the early success with Cloth Map on Patreon. I mean, it's 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 not easy to make money on the internet, and I would assume it's even harder if you're doing things mostly on your own the way you're doing them. I mean, does does the whole process still kind of feel surreal to you, both leaving Giant Bomb and getting the amount of backer support that you did? Uh, it's it's definitely um, an adjustment period particularly in the uh the kind of the intangibles the the kind of unspoken things that are instilled into you when you work at a place that um you know a, a big website that churns out a lot of content with a big team um coming to a project like this where i'm the only person uh and i'm the only one to rely on to get any kind of content out um, it's, it's been an adjustment trying to rein myself in and not freak out that I'm not posting something every day because that was, 
that was a lot of what my job was at Giant Bomb was yeah. um, making sure that we were getting up content on a regular schedule um, and and planning out you know a, a week or two in advance. Uh, and and now I'm I'm still planning way far out, but it's uh, the release schedule is is very different. So um, that's that's been I think the biggest adjustment. How long did you actually have the idea of cloth map in your head before you actually went for it? I mean, from everything I, I've been a Giant Bomb Premium subscriber for years, and you know you've always shown an interest in travel to different, often unusual places. Uh, so for you, was this something that was in your head for a long time, suddenly you saw Danny with no clip and then some other people succeed on Patreon decide to pull the trigger. Like, was this something just like, I've always wanted to do this and now it's just the perfect time. It, it was kind of a lot of, um, feelings I was getting that ended up converging as cloth map. Uh, mm. so it cloth map as it stands now, uh, took a long time to kind of gel in my head. Um, which, which seems kind of silly because, you know, when you, if you would have asked me, uh, well, what, what would make sense then if, if, you know, I would have blurted out an idea, it probably would have sounded like a lot like cloth map. (laughs) Um, but, uh, I wanted to be sure that that was something that I wanted to give a real shot. So, but before I had kind of, you know, coalesced all of those ideas into cloth map, it was, um, uh, I, I think the, the real impetus was um, I, I wanted to make a, um, a change in what I was doing, um, not because of any uh, dissatisfaction with Giant Bomb. Like I, I loved yeah. working there and I could have I worked there forever uh, if, if they would have had me, except for the fact that um, I felt like my time was running out to do something weird and crazy. Um, you know, I, I would have, if, if I didn't have that pull, uh, I would have loved working there, uh, for, for years on end. But, um, I knew that if I didn't take a chance on something weird that, uh, that I would regret it. So, um, I kind of made that decision before I knew what the exact thing was going to look like. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was made easier by the fact that I had sort of a framework to work from. And that was, um, you know, in talking a lot with Danny and seeing how his project went, um, I I knew that I was not suited exactly for something like that. Uh, because you know, Danny is super talented in, in what he does. Um, but I thought that maybe if I did something, um, you know, my own, style that that patreon might be a fit for that it it wasn't like uh my thinking was not well i gotta come up with a uh something to fit in the patreon mold it was like well i i have this what i really want to do is travel um and i love you know making video and sharing that with people uh and i'm you know passionate about games so what does that look like and what are the recourses for building a business around that um, and, uh, Patreon seemed like the best option, not only because it sort of, it, it fit, uh, the style of production and, um, content that, uh, I had been used to working at Giant Bomb for eight years. Um, but I had been able to talk with Danny because we, uh, did a podcast called Alt F1, um, for years and, uh, have become great friends. Uh, I was able to talk with him about a lot of the particulars um, and that, that eased a lot of my fears about it. And I think you were smart about being kind of broad in your approach with what you're doing. Cause it's like, okay, video games, stories, travel, like you can kind of adjust the type of content you're doing based on what people are saying. Like you just um, released the Eurovision video um, and then you had like the bomb shelter video before that. And you can kind of just, play around with it go to these different spots find things that interest you find these different stories and you're not it's not so narrow that you're stuck into this idea i feel like you can kind of adjust as things go as you learn as the people who are supporting you saying hey, how about this idea like for you you did mention like you're not trying to make something for patreon this is stuff that you like and that's what you want to do but do you also pay close attention to what the people who support you are saying or for you is it more important that 
they're supporting me because they want to see where Drew's going. They're not, you know, I shouldn't listen to all their advice for different areas or different ideas for videos. Yeah, so there's two things there. Um, number one, I uh, definitely listen to my patrons. It's 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 funny being your own boss, but having you know th- over three thousand board members. That's <laughs> that's kind of how I explain um, a, a Patreon campaign um, or a Patreon project. Um, but uh, the other thing is when you. I mean, I can only really speak for myself here, but. Um, you know, this is this is a different s- style and a different um, it's a different set of goals than a than a website like Giant Bomb. So, uh, I haven't, by definition, worked in this environment um, before. I mean, I, I've kind of done all of the pieces individually uh, and have the uh, you know technical skill, um, and I've traveled a lot, um, both for work and in my personal life. Um, but but bringing them all together in in a project like this is something that I haven't uh, really done. So yeah. predicting what kind of uh, or what the what the whole content slate would be like uh, is really difficult, and it took me a long time to basically to write the script for the intro video because. I had all these ideas and to, to narrow that down into something that was deliverable in a short pitch, Mm -hmm. um, but still left a lot of room for interpretation, um, on, you know, I didn't want to corner myself right off the bat. Um, so I, I, I deliberately kind of left it broad, uh, was that, that was a challenge. Um, yeah. and I think the, it's, it's been really interesting watching people react to this, especially people that have been used to giant bomb content and, uh, no clip content to watch them react to the videos as they come out. You can see people, uh, getting it or they're, they're, they're reconciling, you know, um, what they've seen before and what they expect with uh, the kind of core tenets of, of what cloth map means to me. Video, was, was video games always a part of the idea no matter what? Because you mentioned it took a while to kind of all this have this coalesce into one singular idea. Were video games kind of the, maybe what steadied you in this? Otherwise, you're traveling, you're talking to interesting people, but there's not maybe a focus to what cloth map is. Like for you, was video games kind of like, all right, this is the, the common theme to all of these various areas I'm going to, this will kind of give people an idea of why I'm going to this spot. Yeah, exactly. It's it's the thread because you can't like if if well, I mean, there are travel shows that are just travel, but they've all got an angle, right? Um, like food shows I, or something like that. Totally, yeah. Like Anthony Bourdain is his, you know, his angle is is food, ostensibly, really. Mm-hmm. Um, even though like he doesn't necessarily. Like his his show's about food, but it's not really about food, right? Yeah. Um, so you you definitely need some kind of through line because if I just went out there and wandered around and like, hey, I found this museum that's cool. <laughs> uh, I don't know. So there's there's that angle, but there's also like because I am the only person uh, and I'm the camera guy and the editor and the guy who writes the script and does the voiceover and everything, I can't not be in the video, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can't, I'm not a uh, a dispassionate journalist here. It's me in these places. So when you do a project like that, you've got to establish um a certain voice and you know, I have no voice, but my own and my personal um, connection to places. uh, Even when I travel myself is, you know, I I like to, it's, it's made travels made so much more impactful when you can connect to a place and Mm. what, however that is for you um, is fine, but I recommend finding some way to uh to connect with it so for me that is either uh largely through games um you know i have a lot of associations in particular with ukraine with um 
you know, World War II games, especially, um, uh, you know, games set in post-apocalyptic uh, settings. Uh, I mentioned in one of my travelogue pieces that I played a, an old strategy game called Course and Pocket that was set in the region. Um, so by by focusing on these things and going to a place like that, you're illuminating, uh, you know, you're sort of sparking your own mind and making things um, uh, that much more powerful to you. So that's yeah. that's what I'm, I'm... And not only is that a through line for the cloth map content to kind of edit around, but it's also a demonstration of how to do that as a person. So if there's like a secondary uh, thesis or mission statement to cloth map, it is um, that I want to show how I take things that I like and translate them into impactful travel experiences. And that by showing how I do that, that you can do it as well, right? Travel to me is not uh, reserved for the super rich or the retired, right? This is, this is something that you can get a lot out of, um, as, as a young person. And I think it should be made, uh, even more of a priority, uh, than it already is for people. So, um, by, by doing that and by showing the like nitty gritty nuts and bolts of travel that I hope to foster that sense of, Hey, I can actually do this uh, in in the cloth map audience. Yeah, and I mean travel. You're right; it's critical, and it's one of those things that so many people talk about getting out of the country at some point. Like, oh, maybe after college, or maybe at this point, it is hard to find time. But it's you learn an unbelievable amount, and for you to be able to kind of show people, maybe not a perfect roadmap, um, but just an idea of like, hey, if you travel these places, you can find ways to connect these different places, the things you enjoy, or maybe learn entirely new things you didn't know you enjoy like Eurovision for example <laughs> you start <laughs> right. seeing that kind of stuff and like you mentioned it's um it's not like you know extremely expensive where it's impossible to go when you're younger but there is it costs a lot to fly all over the place uh and yep. uh you know you're gone from giant bombs so you don't have the regular steady income at least you didn't immediately uh once you left i don't want to dwell too much on your finances and everything like that but what were your personal expectations for maybe how much money you could pull in? Because again, you were friends with Danny and he had a number. Uh, you've seen the kind of funny people who did a similar thing to a certain extent. Um, no matter who you are, it has to be kind of terrifying to flip a switch and watch as kind of your future budget is decided based on, <laughs> it sounds weird. It's like you're almost being evaluated by how much people like you or like interested in what <laughs> you're doing and this number's going up. Uh, for you, like knowing... I have to get maybe this sort of equipment. I have to pay for the flights to all these places. Did you have a certain dollar amount in your mind that was like, this can be the bare minimum for me to do this? There were different uh, levels, obviously. So like there was, if I get this much, then it'll look like this. If it, if I get this much, then it'll look like this. And you can kind of uh, see those in the, um, I forget what they call them, but in the Patreon campaign, uh, they're oh, stretch goals. Is that what they're, uh, they're stretch Something goals on Kickstarter. Like they're uh, milestones. They're milestones on Patreon. Um, so yeah, if I had, if I had gotten, you know, a, a small amount of money, I would be shooting it all on my iPhone and going to like Canada, you know, <laughs> like, like Utah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, I would, I would have done it just the same, even at that point, just to, just to try it and, and see how it went. Um, thankfully, uh, the campaign went, went really well and I've been able to, I was able to like my, my, um, my dream was to start with Ukraine, uh, mm-hmm. and I was able to do that. So I'm, I'm very thankful for, for, for everyone that, uh, that is a patron on, on Patreon. Uh, how much have you did you actually learn about maybe the future of cloth map with your first trip to Ukraine? Because I I really enjoyed the first video. I know the again the um the Eurovision one just came out and that one's also really great. But I assume you're constantly taking mental notes about you know this is what I do differently next time. This is kind of what I want to do in this next place. Were there any surprises during this first trip where you're like okay for the next trip I need to bring this this and this or I need to shoot this style of content instead of what I did? I mean it was uh, entirely 100% a learning experience because, um, you know, kind of like I said before, uh, I, I only really assumed that I would be able to get videos out of this trip. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really know if the, um, 
single person, camera person and presenter in one thing would, would even work at all. Yeah. Uh, and then if it did, what does the, you know, for lack of a better term, content slate look like of, of cloth map? Is it, uh, and can I turn it around fast enough? Um, would I be able to edit on the road? Would I be able to keep up the pace for three weeks? Uh, um, would, would any of this work? Right. So, uh, thankfully a lot of it bore out, um, positively, but it was that because I didn't know what, uh, I didn't like have a list of things like here's here's the types of videos that I get out of a cloth map trip. Since yep. I didn't have that, I was shooting all of the time because I didn't know what would and would not be relevant. So I just kept the camera rolling. How for many th- hours th- of video was that? Uh, twenty six hours. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was exhausting. I was absolutely dead by the end of it. Yeah, I loved the trip, but it was just fried. I, I think I saw one of the milestones for way down the line would be being able to actually hire some sort of support staff to help you on this. I mean, is it also kind of exciting right now to do this on your own? Because at that point, of course, all of this is it's whatever you want to do. You can kind of just explore. And again, in that Eurovision video, you're following crowds because you can't really fully read these signs perfectly. And you're right. just going toward, you know, wherever these, these, these things take you and you're meeting people that way. Do you think there's kind of an advantage to that way of almost like this stranger in a strange place way of handling this? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely uh, one of the great aspects about it. Um, you know, but, but what comes with that is the, uh, the requirement to deliver. Um, Mm. and so finding out how to balance that with, uh, you know, actually getting stuff out, um, is, is the tricky part. Uh, and, and I mean, not, not just doing it, but doing it effectively, uh, doing it efficiently and, and making sure that, that, you know, both sides of this, um, are happy with the outcome. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, kind of moving toward giant bomb for a second, Mm -hmm. uh, how long do you feel like it took for you to become comfortable talking on quick look, quick looks, podcasts, streams, and everything else? Because again, way back when, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, when you just came on kind of as like someone behind the scenes to a certain extent of producer, you'd be on some videos. But later on, you know, there's there's Metal, Metal Gear Scanlan. You're on most of these podcasts. You're you're uh, improving on these streams in ways that maybe when you first joined that site, you didn't <laughs> fully expect. Uh, I, I talked to. Um, uh, Vinny and Jeff on this podcast recently, and you mentioned like when they're interviewing people, you kind of have to get the entire scope of them because they're not just going to be writers; they're just going to be behind the camera the entire time. They're doing a little bit of everything there. It's personality based, so it has to click. So, was it difficult for you at the start at Giant Bomb to feel comfortable being on streams, often in front of thousands and thousands of people? Um, I think. Well, I mean, it's kind of hard to remember, but um, <laughs> I do remember the first time I had to do a teleprompter shoot, mm. um, which we used to do for things like, uh, I think it was for a top 10 game of the year clip back in, gosh, 2009 or something. Um, and I remember watching a lot of... Uh, Ryan Davis videos of, I think I love Mondays. I, I can't remember if we were doing them at that point, but he did yeah. a lot of, or maybe it was video reviews. He did a lot of um, teleprompter stuff. And I always thought he was really good at making it seem like he wasn't reading a teleprompter. So I just watched a bunch of his stuff before I went and did mine. Um, and that gave me a lot of confidence. And honestly, like working with those guys all the time uh, and being in the control room, uh, for all those videos, you get a great, um, you know, uh, watching them do it is, is, is great practice or it's, Mm. they're, they're great. What am I looking for? (laughs) Teachers. Um, even though they're not, you know, directly teaching you, it's, it's great to watch them and, uh, you can, you can, you not necessarily pick it up, but, uh, you know, Watching them was 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 really helpful, um, but I think it was also made easier for me by the fact that 
especially um, you know, after Ryan passed away, mm-hmm. it was not a hey, I'm gonna get on this camera because I want to uh, you know, show off how funny I am. It's we need people to fill seats. So yeah. it wasn't out of any um you know, ego. It was like we we have a job to do. Uh, so let's do it. Um, and, and that actually made things a lot easier because there was no option to, um, to say like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really want to do it. It was like, well, this needs to get done. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in with both feet. Yeah. And giant bomb is unique in a way where it's, like the number of people every I think I posted when I posted the podcast with Vinny at one point he mentioned something that if you weren't listening it sounds like he's like I don't know maybe one day I'll leave Giant Bomb and it started an entire NeoGAF thread that lasted like 3,000 pages and it made me realize just how much people super get invested in that team and I'm the same way like it's it's this kind of family environment to a certain extent um, where it almost feels like when someone when you leave, it's like something like you're watching a sitcom and one of your favorite characters leaves. And I think a lot of people treat Giant Bomb that way. Like, was the support from the community, even after you announced, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go do my own personal thing, kind of surreal to a certain extent? Because it's funny how um, I went to, geez, I can't believe it was 2013. It was your PAX East 2013 uh, panel. Um, and we were waiting in line for like two hours to get in. And uh, Jeff and Vinny walk by. And it's like they're the Beatles when they're walking by and there's these people clapping. It's like this strange level of celebrity, like having that community behind your back, even now that you're away from Giant Bomb. I mean, what's that even like? I mean, the, the community is everything. Um, and it's, it's part of what made Giant Bomb such a great place to work is that you knew um, in some cases you had met a lot of the people that you were making this stuff for and you had heard their stories about like hey man you know your uh giant bomb cast got me through uh some rough times um that that kind of stuff is what what gets you to the office in the morning um and giant bomb uh you know i haven't worked at a lot of other websites but i i am pretty confident in saying that giant bomb has one of the the best communities on the internet uh and and i knew that you know starting cloth map and, and leaving giant bomb. Um, you know, not everybody was, was going to take it well. Uh, but I knew that there would at least be some people who, um, who would have my back. Uh, and, and thankfully that w- that was the case. Um, so I, I, I owe all, uh, you know, all of, all of cloth map to the, the giant bomb community and, uh, and how awesome they are. It really is probably the nicest community I've ever dealt with because like every time, again, when I post these podcasts on the forums or anywhere, it's the most like supportive, positive people <laughs> that I've had to deal with. Like there's maybe like 1% asshole, but other than that, it's just like straight like, oh, you guys are all fantastic. Uh, looking back on it, because man, I it's almost been 10 years since Giant Bomb started and you were mostly a part of all of that. Uh, what was your favorite thing you did at Giant Bomb or maybe even just the most the coolest moment for you i mean from indoor archery to (laughs) iceland to you know that entire metal gear scanlan which i've watched every episode and got a whole new i mean i'm a huge uh metal gear solid two and four guy and i got a whole new appreciation watching someone for the first time experience that Uh, i mean is there anything that really stands out in your mind is like that was something i'm super proud of i'm um i'm really proud of um I think the 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 big projects like E3 and Game of the Year, uh, those were like not only some of the videos that I'm most proud of um, to come out of those, but also that's when the team gets closer together because mm-hmm. you're all up late, you're all uh, in the case of E3, you know, away from home. Um, and just working your butts off and uh you know there's there's a certain foxhole mentality uh to that that um that uh you know that i'll always cherish especially the you know there there were certain points when 
we would just pull the ripcord and Vinny and the rest of the production team, we would all go out and, uh, you know, have a, have a nice dinner or something to just step away for a second, uh, <laughs> from, you know, the endless render times, uh, early in the morning. So, uh, those, those are the points that, uh, that I'll always remember. Did you get stressed just being on the couch for the E3 late night shows this year? Cause I remember I, I was a, a server at like a local restaurant from when I was, uh, still in PA. And I remember like, just years after working there, every time I'd step in a restaurant, I get stressed. Like, oh, the server has to remember this. It's really busy in here. I wonder, I probably shouldn't order this dessert because the server's going to have too much to do. When you sat as an observer on the E3 couch, was it kind of like your brain started firing off and you were thinking about all these things that you had to do? Or were you able to actually relax and chill with uh, with Austin Creed? You were with like eight wrestlers on the couch. Like, Were you <laughs> able to just actually relax for a bit? Uh, actually, yeah. I mean, I, I walked into the room and it's, um, it's the room that we've had for uh, a number of years. So it was, it was like I had never left. It was really kind of bizarre. <laughs> um, and all the equipment was, was relatively the same. We'd, uh, they had gotten some new, um, uh, some new items, uh, that, that really helped streamline the workflow. I was impressed. Uh, but it, the instinct that happened was I want to help, right? Yep. Uh, and I was actually there for the the final uh, uh, segment, and they started breaking down afterward, and Vinny would not let me <laughs> would not <laughs> let me help pack up. Um, so that was, you know, uh, that was that was that was weird for me to to watch those guys uh, pack up and, and not be able to help. But during the broadcast, uh, I wasn't nervous at all because I know that they're all pros. Um, you know, and they've got, they've gotten that thing down to a science, uh, and, and sitting on the couch was, was great because, uh, I know Jeff's a great host and I was, I was able to relax and just hang out on that bizarre <laughs> smattering of people. I think it was me, Xavier Woods, Samoa Joe. Was it Dan was definitely there. Dan to be and, around wrestlers. Uh, yeah. And Danny. I think it was Danny. I yeah. got. I, I just remember like seeing a screenshot of it that someone tweeted because I was out that night. I was like, "What is going on?" Like, yeah, it's just it, it's it's one of my favorite things is just seeing. Um, I know it was Patrick who was organizing it for a while. But I know Alex gets a lot of guests on. Just the the diversity of personality that shows up on the couch, and it almost always there's very little awkward. There's usually a lot of like, man, these entirely like diametrically opposed people are coming together in this weird hour long segment that just clicks. Like it's yeah, it's and a beautiful I, chaos. It really is, and I, I can't um, you know uh, say enough about Jeff's ability to host a show like that. That oh yeah. Uh, may look easy, but it is really hard getting a group that diverse together and having a segment flow and be interesting and funny is is really really difficult. So hats off to Jeff who's who's done that for years uh, and and does a great job with it. And to not ask the same questions over and over because when you're just like talking to six people fading to black and not that long later going to an entirely different group like it's difficult um i remember uh last year i'd coordinated with alex to get someone from the development team i work for tan gentleman on there um and just like watching it nervously because you know it's someone on your team so you're like oh hopefully this goes well and yet every time he just handles it in a way where it's like that's to manage that many personalities to manage that many projects and uh it it always comes off as casual and not so many different E3 shows end up being business-like where it's like, let me sell you on this game I'm showing in 15 minutes. Like, let me sell you on this thing. And to have like that, the actual side of the industry that's so humanizing of here's like this person who's passionate about what they do and is not going to try to sell you their game and more just have an interesting conversation. It's it's great. I, it's my favorite thing about E3. Um, did you actually get a chance to walk the floor or were you just there for the late night show? Uh, I did not walk the floor. I was there for the late night shows and I actually spent most of my time uh, at an Airbnb uh, editing. (laughs) (laughs) Did you, do you miss, I know E3 is usually like so much work. It's insane, but do you miss E3 at all? Like, is there any part of you that kind of misses the pomp and circumstance, the the every year video game Christmas and being a part of it? Um, Not really, because I feel like (laughs) I can still get the same enjoyment by, by watching those giant bomb live streams. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, cause that's, you know, that those were always the best parts for me. Uh, but, uh, I, I, I do miss, you know, being on the production side. Uh, that yeah. was, that was always fun, but you know, the show floor, 
fine. Um, the, the, I think the best time I had on the show floor was the first time I went and just seeing all that, uh, you know, glitz and glamor. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, after that it was, it was, it was time to work. Um, and so the things that I, uh, enjoyed about E3 then became, uh, putting on a good show and, uh, doing my job well. Um, so yeah, E3 goes from like, oh my God, this is amazing. I always watched this when I was younger to realizing how quickly, like super quickly that this is just a lot of work. It's still amazing. It's still fun. You still see people who um, maybe in our world feel like celebrities. Like I remember I first went, I wasn't even, I was just, I just turned 21 my first E3 and just like, just being this this baby walking the floor and seeing like, oh my God, that's Tim Schaefer. Like that's yeah. that's a crazy thing over and over. And uh, you're just appointment to appointment to appointment. But yeah, sometimes you stop and smell the roses and you're like, you know, that's that's the Cliff Blazinski. It's it's such a strange event. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a lot of work, but um, just like Game of the Year, it's it's a ton of work, but very gratifying at the end. Uh, yeah. If if you've produced something that you're proud of, which uh, we always did. Um, you mentioned on your Patreon that kind of five or six trips a year is kind of the baseline for what you want to do with cloth maps. So you mentioned you were at an Airbnb editing and doing a lot of stuff during E3. But I mean, what's what's a normal Drew week look like right now? I mean, are you spending a lot of time sketching up future trips and what you might do there? Are you kind of looking through and talking to your patrons to see like, all right, where do you guys want me to go? Uh, I mean, it's... It has to be a lot of, I'm not going to say downtime, but there's a lot of non-travel time and then a whole bunch of filming and work all at once. So like, what's kind of the regular routine? Uh, so a lot of my time now is editing. Um, and it's uh, been a um, a learning experience on how to streamline that. You know, the the lots of footage edited into a narrative piece um I had done at Giant Bomb, but not at the rate that I'm doing now. So yeah. um, I'm I'm able to smooth a lot of edges now, and it's um it's it's getting faster and faster. Uh, but it is so it's a mix of doing that and then planning for how to make the process better in the future, um, and then on top of that, thinking about uh, future trips and scheduling and planning those, and then on top of that. It's okay. I don't actually have the time to do all of this. How do I think about um, potentially offloading some of this or streamlining it or, you know, changing things here and there? So uh, it's a lot of, you know, I always knew the the first project uh, was going to be the one that would involve the most figuring things out. And that is certainly the case. but uh uh you know it it's it's all marching on and i'm i'm happy with the way it's going so uh it's it's this weird um it's this weird existence right now of <laughs> of of assembling these chunks of projects but then doing these little tiny pieces in the background that no one will ever see but mm-hmm. that will contribute to the smoothness of future projects it's it's you know like i said like i've said many times already it's it's a learning process and uh and totally a totally new experience and one that um uh, i i am frankly excited to to learn more about because uh, you know it's it's making me a better everything (laughs) it's making me a better editor it's making me plan better it's making me a better traveler it's making me um, a better writer like it's 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 exactly what i wanted from um a project like this that is all consuming uh and uh yeah i'm just trying to keep all the plates spinning and um and have fun with it has it been difficult difficult at all to work from home most of the time when you're not traveling and to a certain extent be your own boss because like we said you're still beholden to your patrons and the people who are supporting you but you're going from an office and kind of a not a rigid schedule but maybe more of a routine is something entirely different i remember even for my full-time job when i moved from being in the office to mostly at home it's it's definitely an adjustment period where suddenly there's some days where you might work eh, six or seven hours other days it's it's suddenly eight o'clock at night and you're like i'm still answering emails i'm still doing this i'm still doing that like has it been difficult to to do the whole work-life balance thing for you 
Yeah, it was uh, initially. It, it it took me a while to figure out what worked best for me. Um, mm-hmm. I initially tried to do the, um, you know, normal workday hours, uh, but I realized that that just didn't. When I when I had the ability and was in my you know in my place the whole time, um, that uh, it it was. So what what I've settled on is I get up. Um, have a cup of coffee and then work for maybe four straight hours. Um, and then I have breakfast, uh, or it's probably lunch at that point. Um, and then do things like, you know, work out, um, do any, you know, around the house chores that need doing. Uh, and then, uh, after that is when I do, um, you know, three or three or four more hours uh, of work. And that tends to be more, emails, administrative tasks, you know, bank stuff, um, things like that. Whereas in the morning, that's when all my creative stuff gets done. So I do big chunks of editing in the morning uh, and then the business stuff in the afternoon. Is it easy to start obsessing over getting new patrons and maybe losing any? Because to a certain extent, you have a fluid income. I think I would worry, me personally, if I suddenly did like a, a Patreon, I would worry like, Man, maybe after six months and the excitement of the brand new, you know, project kind of wanes, suddenly people are like, oh, well, I'm going to, you know, cut this funding out of my budget. Like, I, I can't pay for this. Like, in your mind, are you at all worried about, like, I need to keep producing new and interesting things in order to keep these people going? Like, is, is this, because this is all so new, like, Patreon is not that old. There are not that many long term teams funded this way. Is it kind of, nerve-wracking to have the support like this um a little bit but honestly i've been doing it for years at giant bomb it's just <laughs> i guess that's true different because you know it's, it's not patreon it's it's giant bomb um yeah so so working with their subscription model uh it's it's very similar because we were you know we, we paid attention to what subscribers said and and we would um do everything with subscribers in mind uh but that doesn't mean chasing numbers. Uh, something Giant Bomb never did, and um, you know, to you know, as far as I know, still does not do. You, you, we certainly checked numbers, but we didn't chase them. Um, mm. And I think that is something that I have had to uh, check myself on uh, a lot when I'm on my own. Because it's very easy to fall into that trap of like, well, what? Let's let's track the, um, you know, the stats on the the watch time on this most recent video. So clearly, people liked uh, minute five when this happened. So I need to structure my whole trip around <laughs> doing more pieces like that. And like, yeah, you could do that, but you would lose your soul. You would. Yeah. Uh, that wouldn't be flying by the seat of your pants anymore and, and going with your, your gut. Uh, and that's something I learned at giant bomb, which is like you, you have to do things that, uh, that you like and that, um, make sense to you and that make you proud to have done. And, that will resonate with people if it's honest. Yeah. Uh, because if it appears in any way, like you are just chasing the clicks, people will see right through that. There's people are smart, especially on the internet. They're really savvy about, uh, about corporate stuff like that. So I'm trying to remember the lessons of giant bomb and, and default back to what I think is worthwhile content um, for that, that is worthy of people's donations, um, people's money, because it's, you know, I almost shouldn't even care about view count on YouTube because the only thing that matters is, uh, keeping my patrons happy. Um, and the way I see it, the way to do that is, to um, create content that I myself am proud of. So I'm just trying to keep doing that. 
Yeah, that has to be fascinating for you because the view count thing is interesting. With so many people who make a living on YouTube, of course, view count has to matter. Subscriber count has to matter because they're making money off ads. That's the the main way they're getting an income. I mean, for you, your the actual patron money, you know, Patreon money coming in is more important. So, like, do you do you kind of look at? I saw. I, I think it was your 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 first Ukraine video. One of them had like hundreds of thousands. And that's awesome. But like, does that really matter as much as as long as I'm proud of this, even if this gets 20,000 views, that's really not that important. Yeah, I mean, in some senses it does matter because the the larger the the reach of the videos, the more potential trickle down there is True. to potential patrons. Um, but that's kind of in the back of my mind. It's, it's really, here are the, you know, 3,000 or so people that um, are supporting me. I'm making this for them. Um, and through their comments and on Discord and on Twitter, uh, I have a sense of what they want. And um, I'm, I'm just creating things that I'm proud of for them. And anything on top of that uh, is, is just gravy, uh, at least at this stage, because it certainly behooves me and Cloth Map to grow, uh, because that only will increase the um you know things like the the speed of content coming out uh the different places we can go um different kinds of things that we can do um so it's not like i'm shunning that uh but my focus is first uh creating uh content that i'm proud of has this job actually given you a little bit more time in between trips to play video games like like you said like sometimes you're just spending hours planning and thinking about what to do next. But I mean, have you had a chance to play more games these days when you're not going to Eurovision or in a bomb shelter? <laughs> um, I don't have more time than I had at giant bomb. I probably have less. Um, but I do find myself more inclined to want to play games because at giant yeah. bomb, you like working at a game website, you see games all day uh, and working in the control room, you see multiple quick looks per day. So uh, by the time you get home, either you have seen some amazing game in the office and you're like, I have to have that right now and play it. But most of the time it's like, I just want to read a book. <laughs> um, but now that I'm not constantly inundated uh, with games all day, um, I'm finding myself gravitating more and more to uh, to playing games in in what little spare time I have. Yeah, I uh, I wrote I did reviews for Gamespot for like two maybe three years and like IGN in different places when I was freelancing and uh, it got weird and I've said this before in this podcast but you get when you're playing games for work you get like really focused on that and then like you said in your downtime you don't want to just play a game because like I've been doing that all day for my job like if there's no there's no gold at the end of the rainbow. Like I'm not actually going to play this game for leisure. And <laughs> right. like, since I stopped doing that, it's been, it's been great. It's been in terms of actually being able to enjoy games in a new way to not worry about, you know, hitting a deadline or thinking about what's my angle critically for writing this game spot review of this random game I'm playing. I, do you have any games you're coming back to a lot recently? Cause I literally, before I called you, I was just deep into a uh, battlegrounds game and in like the last group and I'm, we came second and I'm very, I came in very salty. I was like just inches away from the chicken dinner. Like have you, oh. I, I know it was, it, I had a, a duo today where I came in second. I had a full team battle where I came in second and I had a single where I came in third and I'm just like, I could smell it. Like mm. it's so, so close. And I'm just like, I might immediately do it after this podcast. Um, <laughs> is there anything that stands out for you? Because it's I'm assuming you're going to be handing in a top ten to Giant Bomb at the end of the year. Um, yeah, as I'd a love guest to. post. Yeah, like, but it, it, currently, is there anything that really stands out this year that you fell in love with? I mean, one of the other cool parts about not um, working at a <laughs> a game website and being on a game podcast every week is that you don't feel the need to be up on the most recent games. Yeah. So I have given myself permission to play older games or go back to games that I, um, that are like standbys for me. So, um, I am playing a lot of Solitarica on iOS, mm. uh, which 
Rich Gallup mentioned in his top 10 last year, and I ever since then, I have been playing it. Um, is it a solitaire game, or is it just an no, unfortunately named game? No, it's, it's well, it's kind of, it's, it's a, it looks like solitaire. Okay. But it's, it's kind of solitaire light uh, with, with like roguelike stuff put in it. Um, it's, it's kind of. <laughs> I hope. Tough I hope to solitaire describe. light becomes a subgenre because that sounds amazing. Just a little bit of solitaire in my RPG, yeah, please. Exactly. Did you ever play um, Poker Smash on the Xbox I, Arcade? Yes. So it's more like it's it's this is to solitaire as Poker Smash is to poker. Okay. Um, and it's 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 yeah, it's really addicting. And uh, I've gone back to that a lot, and I've gone back to uh, Picross. Oh, I said it like Rikert. Picross. <laughs> he never leaves. Um, he, he never does. He just sticks in there. Uh, round two, 3D. Or 3D round two. Anyway, Picross. The most recent Picross game. Uh, uh, yeah, can't stop playing that either. But I recently did finally download Battlegrounds. And man, that game is nuts. <laughs> it's it's so strange because it's one of those games that I never thought I'd be into. One, I'm very bad at PC shooters, and I'm admittedly so. Like I'm more of a console guy. Um, but I thought like, oh great, another like kind of weird mod survival thing. But no, it's there are few well, games. It that... is that, but it's so much more stripped down and polished, and without all of the rough edges and, and it's like superfluous it's elements. In... Yeah, it's polished in like a <laughs> in a janky way. Like it's yeah, hard it to is, like, like uh, from a design angle, it's polished. Yeah, from a like technical angle, maybe not. It's very easy to understand right away. It's like, hey, this is the Hunger Games. Like this is like there's a hundred people. You're on an island, and like just be the last one. And the fact that it really it, it pushes everyone to a single zone over time is so smart. Of course, you'd have to do that, but it's this rush to one spot. It's being what feels like a mile away looking at a map and saying, shit, I have a pistol. Here we go. It's all of these amazing. It's this, the stakes are, there's something really fun about a game that has stakes um, where overwatch is something I was obsessed with for so long because when you're playing competitive, you're so worried about your ranking. So it's like, I, I need to win this compared to a regular call of duty or battlefield game where it's like, ah, I'm more worried about my, you know, my, 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 my kills, my deaths, my, my own rank and stuff like that, unlocking new guns and battlegrounds is like scratch and itch. I never knew I had. Um, and I became obsessed with it in a way where, uh, I never like to play games for more than like, it's usually like an hour or two in a row that I need to do something else. I need to read. I need to go to the gym. I need to take my dog out. I need to be active another way. Battlegrounds. I sat in front of my computer for five hours and I'm like, what have I become? Like, this is an entirely new thing. Like it's, do you do you have any desire to stream games at this point or has playing games in front of people for as long as you have a giant bomb been like you know i'm gonna take a breather from that um i would love to it's it's really fun to do um but i i just don't have the the time and i kind of and maybe this is the you know uh just one more thing i have to grapple with but um it feels like if I did that, then it would, um, it would mean less time was being spent on uh, producing Patreon stuff. Yeah. So that that always, you know, is in the back of my mind uh, whenever, uh, you know, I think about that, um, and even to some degree, like tweeting you know if i was just yeah. tweeting all the time people would be like come on man what are you what are you doing what am i what am i paying you for yeah is that weird like it's, having all these people who are technically paying you to work and suddenly if you're i don't know if you're not working at three o'clock in the afternoon doing something else you're like man are these people looking at me and being like what a waste of money i have here it's yeah I, and the the way that i've kind of reconciled that is that i am really strict about the way that i track how much i work um yep. per day uh i i set timers on my phone because on, only then will i feel okay about stopping work i mean that's the real hard part when not only working from home but in this sort of situation where you are working directly for these people uh and for their their hard earned cash you know like this is this is people giving to you um to support a project 
and to not work on that project feels like, or to, to not at least give uh, your best during the day uh, just riddles you with guilt. So yeah. um, <clears throat> you have to set some kind of limits though, or you'll just burn out. And then you, at that point, you still would not be uh, doing the best job that you could because you'd be fried and on the ground. Uh, so maintaining a, an even keel is in everyone's best interest. So to, to do that, I have, um, come up with, uh, timers basically to make sure that, um, I am, I am cutting myself off, uh, from working too hard. Yeah. I, I, I think that's probably the smartest way to do it is at least track it because there's definitely, it's the double-edged sword of when you sometimes when you work for yourself or work at home, you get overly strict and you work too much. But there's also the you start getting lax, you start letting things go that you normally wouldn't, and then suddenly you're working four hours a day instead of eight hours a day. So I think it's like everything you've mentioned previously. It's a learning experience about like what's the best way to handle this moving forward that makes me feel good, that still keeps me sane, but also you know lets my patrons, let my supporters know that. I'm doing all this stuff that you want me to do. Trust me. Like, I, I got you. Yeah. Uh, last major thing, and I promised I would limit myself to only one mention of this. So you're a meme. <laughs> um, you're, you're, a, you're a famous gif. It was actually funny. I was texting a friend today, um, and literally she sent me just like a screenshot of like, hey, the person you're talking to tonight, it just came up immediately when I was searching through. Like, it's the, it's the most popular gif of the day on my phone. Um, is that the most, is that the weirdest thing you've ever experienced in your entire life where suddenly you're just being asked by all these different people at major outlets about like, Hey, you want to ha- be interviewed about on Buzzfeed about this meme that became every time I opened Twitter, there's some celebrity who's using it for NBA free agency <laughs> or a wrestling event. Like, can you even explain that whole thing and how weird it's been for you? It was, I mean, really the weirdest part was that first you know week or two when when i was getting interviewed like by, by buzzfeed and the guardian which was i think the weirdest one is like i get f1 news from you guys and you're interviewing me <laughs> about my face from four years ago um but it was it was i almost felt disconnected from it because um not only was it a video from four years ago but uh i didn't make the gif i didn't share the gif um it's it almost and and no one like it is shared uh and no one knows who it is so it almost feels like i'm not even a part of this at all it just barely it, your face anymore yeah it 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 may as well be someone who looks like me um the the only time i it ever uh impacts me is in twitter mentions when people figure out that that guy has a name they're like oh my god guys i found him his name is Drew Scanlon <laughs> Uh, then, then, then it, you know, then I see it. Um, but so far I think, um, only one person has recognized me in the wild for it. Only one? Only one. Yeah. I get recognized more often for giant bomb than, than for the meme. I think because I don't look like that anymore. My hair is different and I have more facial hair. Yeah, I guess memes only take you so far in terms of fame. <laughs> like, it's not really a famous thing. Like, it's more of just like a weird, you know, again, suddenly there's a major world event and you're looking through your Twitter feed like, oh, there's my face reacting to something that I don't even know what's going on anymore. Right. Yeah, and, you know, it's 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 fun. Uh, it's it's strange, but it's, it's mostly fun, especially for people um, like the Giant Bomb community who, like, I enjoy seeing them freak out about like, oh, my mom just used this on Facebook. What's happening? <laughs> oh my god yeah it's it's still weird to me again where i'm on twitter i'm like oh it's drew's face again um so i last last thing because i don't see you as someone who really like loves to self-promote but i'm gonna give you an opportunity here anyway where can people find you on social media and what is the cloth map plan that you can actually talk about right now like what are you hoping to do if people want to after they heard all this, be like, man, I want to become a patron to your project. Or like, what can they kind of expect moving forward for the end of the year? Yeah, uh, well, you can find out more about um, the project and uh, what certain levels of patronage get you uh, at patreon.com slash cloth map. Um, or if you just want to check out the content itself, it's youtube.com slash cloth map. Uh, there's a Twitter account, twitter.com slash cloth map. Uh, I am twitter.com slash Drew Scanlon. 
and as far as future plans for cloth map there there are a few uh <clears throat> there are a few more videos to come out from ukraine uh but i will be talking about the um second destination for cloth map uh pretty soon here um in the you don't want to break news right now are you <laughs> sure you can break some serious news no no not not here <laughs> sorry i can't can't give you scoop oh so close uh drew thank you so much for doing this uh it's what you're doing is super cool in terms of i was talking earlier about how everyone always says like oh i'd love to travel someday but then suddenly you know life happens and it's hard to you're like living out your dream in a really amazing way where like people are supporting you to go all over the world and experience things that are unique and crazy and awesome and i kind of i can't wait to continue to see where you go and uh again all your work at giant bomb has been it was incredible to watch uh watching you go sucked but it's been cool to see what you've done since and again the community every time i ever do a podcast with anyone even giant bomb adjacent whether it be justin mcelroy or will smith the community comes in just it's it's herds of them to suddenly talk about it and it's yeah it's really amazing so good luck on your next uh, trip and also good luck uh adjusting to this entire new kind of work schedule you have yeah man it is a uh a brave new world but um Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Hopefully, tune back in for the next episode of the 1099.